This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. We get a special Thursday appearance of Amy Amanti for a film review this week. We had a special Michelle McQuig Thursday appearance as well. A special Thursday through and through. Let's welcome in Amy, who's got a review of the Netflix documentary Inside the Mind of a Cat. Hey, good morning, Amy. Hey, good morning, Dave. I love a special Thursday. Uh, Amy, tell me how we're getting inside of the mind of a cat with this documentary. <laughs> Well, Dave, it's a little bit lighthearted this week, um, which is a nice break, right? That's fine. That's um, good. We like lighthearted. I like lighthearted, especially when we have Halloween coming up, so it might not be so lighthearted. Um, Inside the Mind of a Cat, this is a really quick 67-minute documentary. I'm not sure if there's ever been such a short documentary, but it's nice and digestible. And uh, as the the title sounds this is a family-friendly documentary um and it shows uh, us a look of the inside of the mind of a cat literally um so you know we're talking about cat behaviors and mannerisms and um you know the biology of cats and uh bringing us insights on how our furry friends behave. <laughs> so, okay, so how do they do that? How are the professionals who study cats connecting, say, a hiss or a swat or a jump or a purr with the actual thought process inside the cat? Yes, well, I mean, I think we all kind of are familiar with the fact that dogs have been studied for years and years and years and years, right, about these kinds of things. So there are uh, specialists called cat psychologists. Tell me how I get that job, Dave. I would really like to have that job. <laughs> um, but they, they literally are conducting tests. And we're not talking about, like, you know, um, scientific tests in terms of, like, laboratory stuff. So, for example, one of the tests that they do is they have two humans sitting inside of, uh, of, a, of a hula hoop. Right. So there's like a little boundary and they're kind of separated from each other. And um, one of them is the owner of a cat that the cat's familiar with. And one of them's a stranger. And so, you know, they run a test where they put the cat in a certain spot and they call the cat. You know, they do it like, let's like, say they do it 50 times and they see how many times the cat goes to the stranger versus, you know, the, the, the person that feeds them. Oh. And then they learn. <laughs> right. Then they learn from a study. It's like, OK, cats, you know, have a bond with their owners, that kind of thing. So they take this kind of testing model and they apply it to all sorts of things. Um, so, I mean, this is what I'm saying. I want to be a cat psychologist. I Okay. I have a little career path change. I, I don't see why you can't do that, Amy. It feels like the stakes <laughs> might be a little bit lower than being a cat psychologist than a human psychologist. And, you know, cats talk a little bit less. Well, some cats do. Some are very meowy. That, that's true. <laughs> so, so what did you learn watching the documentary? I feel like this is a real educational kind of documentary, even if a little bit lighthearted. Yeah, again, super lighthearted, kind of uh, kind of cheesy in a way, but in a, like in a fun way. So they want you to learn stuff, obviously, but they're they're putting it in this really sort of digestible package, which is quite nice. So some of the things that I I learned was, uh, or some of the things that they addressed, I suppose I should say, is like the physiology of a cat, knowing that cats have more vertebrae than just about any other mammal, which is why. Um, they can be so flexible and nimble, you know, the, the convention that cats always land on their feet. Um, so they, they do some of these slow motion acrobatic 
things within the documentary and they kind of show you the spinal column of a cat that kind of looks like an x-ray and how the cats move and, you know, talking about the, the blinks of a cat and the tail wags of a cat and what those things mean and how, I mean, it was just so interesting to me. Um, uh, one of the guests uh, is a couple of sisters from, uh, from Europe who train cats, like you would train dogs to do like parlor tricks. Um, like I, who... <laughs> I couldn't train my cat to do anything when I had a cat. Like they were so independent. And so like, um, I'm going to do my own thing. So um, I, it was it's like mind boggling to me that this is even possible. So yeah, there's a lot of fun little factoids in here. Much like humans, cats have a variety of personalities, right? Some are <laughs> sure. very friendly. Some are very mean. Some are very solitary. Some are very social. Some are very playful. Mm -hmm. Some aren't. Cats have a real variety there. I'd say the, I'd say the variety across the cat world is definitely different than the variety across the dog world. And I know we'll get to dogs versus cats in a minute or two here, but Amy, I, I kind of want you to place this documentary for me in the scale mm -hmm. of importance. Because over the years in these kinds of chairs as an interviewer on a show, I've interviewed documentarians of all stripes doing stories about genocide and discrimination. And then I've also done stories about animals and people studying animals and some of them were really really interesting a few for example were one was tales from the catwalk about the cat pageant industry and it was just a fascinating documentary and the director was awesome a couple years later the same director did a story called a pug's life which was all about the fascination in the in the culture of pugs and again mm -hmm. these are cute stories but as you scratched a little bit deeper there was something there that made it actually important storytelling so as yeah. that's a long preamble to sort of ask you where do you feel a documentary like this fits into the scale of importance or the spectrum of documentary i mean i think that there's a lot of ways in which content like this fits into that that box, so to speak. I mean, one of the ways is just to be able to have content that you can watch amongst all family generations, right? Um, you're not always going to watch certain documentaries with certain people in your family for obvious reasons, I would say. Um, so this is one of those things that you could sit down with your kids or your grandparents and actually like build really interesting conversation around, especially if you are a cat owner or even a pet owner to try and sort of compare and contrast, you know, what you learned about your cat compared to your dog, for example. Um, I also think it's just, it's important to understand that this kind of work is going on. If I were to just say to the average person on the street, hey, do you know what a cat psychologist does? I think I'd probably get some like crooked looks, right? Like it's not something that we really know is a profession out in the world. Turns out there are some really like sophisticated, highly educated people that have invested their lives into cat psychology. Um, which I find absolutely fascinating. And then, of course, just the the learning of another species. This is kind of like, you know, when people ask questions like, you know, why the genome? You know, why do we why do we do things like that? So maybe a little less scientific. But um, but this is an area of science that gets very little. I would say support in any kind of scientific industry. Like nobody's winning a Pulitzer, as you were talking about Nobels and yeah, Pulitzers. Nobels, you know? Yeah, Nobels. Yeah. Right. Like nobody's winning a, a big scientific award for cat psychology. Um, so I think that the, this kind of these kind of social sciences within animals is really an unrepresented or an underrepresented um, career path. Documentaries are a place to learn regardless of what they're talking about. This is the beauty of the world that we live in now. You're no longer restricted to being 
if you you must like the boxes that are checked by cable TV. No, if you have diverse interests and you want to learn about inside the mind of a cat, there's going to be something there for you, right? That there's people who are going to li- watch this and like this and get an opportunity to learn from this. And no one's going to force you to watch it. You can do it on your own time. Mm-hmm. Amy, how was the description? Yeah, the description was, um, you know, as in any documentary, you know, we need to know who's speaking and when. So that was an important piece. I would say that when they tried to describe some of the movements, the acrobatic movements of a cat. Listen, if you've never been able to see how a cat moves, that's a really unique thing um, to see. So, you know, so, for example, as I was talking earlier about cats falling in slow motion um, from high distances and not like, you know, falling to hurt themselves but you know as they jump or as they leap or as they stumble from you know someplace in your house from a a higher you know high on the bookshelf to down on the floor and and you're watching how the the, how the spinal column moves and how the cat twists and it's very matrix like to be honest so trying to describe some of that is a little bit complicated so uh, for folks who have never been able to see how a cat moves um, that could be kind of difficult because, you know, I had a cat I was able to see and even I was thinking, oh, my gosh, what do you mean by that? So, you know, um, there are some moments if you give the if you give the documentary some space, um, you'll learn a lot. It'll be fun. And then you'll you'll kind of say to yourself, yeah, OK, just tell me the cat's moving acrobatically. <laughs> yeah. And, I'll, and I'll, I'll imagine what that could be. Right. Yeah. So. The, the cat leaps or the cat falls or the cat That's spins right. or the cat twists, the cat twists. Like there's only really so much you can do there to a certain degree yeah. because you're trying it's to like, describe the undescribable. And it's like trying to watch, like, I think uh, when I reviewed The Incredibles, the cartoon where they stretch their body, it's a cartoon, right? So they stretch their bodies in these unique ways. And you're like, the mind doesn't know what that is because it does, it's not what my body can do. Yeah, it's inconceivable unless you can right. conceive it. Uh, mm-hmm. Amy, cat person or dog person? I think you gave it away a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that I have uh, owned more cats in my life than I've owned dogs. Um, I'm allergic to both, so I have neither <laughs> okay. at the moment. Um <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think probably a cat person. I'm probably a cat person. How about you, Dave? My nature is a little bit more of a dog person. I, I mm-hmm. like I like an animal that's a little bit more outgoing and a little bit more playful. And that isn't to say that there aren't cats who are, who certainly are playful. Uh, I've mm-hmm. I've interacted with plenty of cats that I loved because of their playfulness. I think as a pet, though, I like the unconditional love that you typically get from a dog. Um, when I dog sit for people, it's amazing. Even in a couple of days, the bond you'll make mm-hmm. with this animal uh, because they truly understand what, what love is and they understand what keeping you company is and they can tell when you're having a bad day. It, it's remarkable the empathy that dogs can sort of figure out, even if you're just dog sitting for a few days. It's remarkable yes. when one can when, when one can sort of figure out, oh, it knew I needed this cuddle in this moment. It came to me and snuggled me because it felt I needed this. So I'm a little bit more of a playful person and I like the outgoing nature of dogs. I did, my roommates in college had a cat who despised me, but I like that cat. I thought I thought Miss Marbles had a lot of personality. So I'm I'm not a cat disliker. I'm just mm-hmm. more of a dog person. I would say I would love the personality of a dog in the body of a cat. Okay. Okay. I mean, I often I I think I the the look of the cat the look of a cat appeals to me more than the look of a dog. Okay. I don't know why that is, but I often used to joke with folks that that if there was a seeing eye panther, 
that it would be like it would be at my side, <laughs> okay. but then it would probably eat me in my sleep. <laughs> yeah, there, there could be some, there could be some access issues. I would understand no. why they wouldn't want your your seeing eye panther on a plane. I, if I'm just and, like and thinking just, out loud here, and just the you know the the stubbornness nature of some cats. Listen, and, and all the and all the cats. There's been like two or three cats that I've had, uh, you know, as a as a family pet, and then I was living with somebody at a, at the time who had two cats, and cats either um, hate me, you know will stay away from me or they want to sleep on my face. Yeah. And yeah. that, and that, th- those extremes don't work for me. Right. Like, you know, I, if a cat wants to come and like acknowledge me when it wants to, and then go do its own thing, I'm happy with that. But don't hiss at me if I want to pet you and don't, you know, sleep on my face. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I'm, like, I, 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 I lean a little closer to the sleep on my face. I, uh, when I was living in Toronto in the summer of 2011, I lived with a woman who had two cats and her one orange cat pumpkin, great name for orange mm-hmm. cat, used to do just that. When I would get home from work, because P- Patty, the woman I lived with, would work late. She'd work till like 9, 10, 11 p.m. at night. And I would get home from work at like 5, 30, 6. And Pumpkin, as I was eating dinner on the sofa, would just hop on my lap and come in for a purr and a snuggle and a scratch. And I just thought that was the most wonderful thing in the world. It was it was very dog-like, as we say, in the personality. Yeah. The thing about it, being a cat owner is like there's a little bit less maintenance than being a dog owner. Even though there is that still is there is still cleanup involved. There is still cleanup involved, whether it be mm-hmm. fur balls or whether it be the litter box. But there's it's just a little bit easier to be a cat owner than being a dog yeah. owner. You don't have to worry about the four to five going out a day for the walk, although the walk to me is actually an appeal of being a dog owner. I like the getting out of the house. I like the forcefulness by which I must actually go make something of my day at least a couple of times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe it sounds like, you know, because the thing about owning any pet, cat or dog, or I suppose fish, but any pet, is that it leaves you very little room to do things like traveling. Right. Because you yeah. can't leave the dog for for a month if you go to Europe or the cat. You know, there there are cat and dog hotels and there are friends you can leave them with. But then, you know, that guilt sets in. Like about me, for example, it. I will dog sit right? everybody's dog. Well, that's the thing. It sounds to me like you need to get on that Rover app, Dave, um, which is kind of like Airbnb for dogs. And yeah. You just, like babysit people's dogs at your leisure and get cash because I don't charge and my friends. I don't, I don't, I don't charge my friends to yeah. do it for them. I'm just happy to do it for them. But uh, yeah. randos. Yeah. Give me some cash. I'll take care of your dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amy, this movie, would you call it a meow or a hiss? <laughs> I'd call it a meow. Come on. How can you? I mean, if you're an animal lover, you know, you're going to want any content that is talking about animals. If you're not an animal lover, okay, that's just the end of my thought. I just can't, I can't you know. <laughs> well, they would have tuned out. I, I they, shouldn't. They, they would have tuned out from this segment already that's anyway. <laughs> uh, Amy, before we let you go, new edition of your podcast, Access and Art with Amy, drops this week. Uh, yeah. Give me a little bit of a sneak peek. Yeah, this one is Lisa Anita Wagner, uh, The House of Dada, D-A-D-A, that I, I entitled it. Dada is an art movement um, from, like, the turn of the 19th century, you know, 1920s kind of thing. Um, really interesting person. And, in fact, Lisa builds universes in her home um, to go with this movement. So I thought that was interesting. She had different rooms in her home that are, like, dedicated to these characters and she calls them universes. So she's a, a really interesting artist. Very good. And fo- of yeah. course, folks can download that on their favorite podcasting platform. Hey, Amy, have a great day. And uh, we will talk to you on Monday. You got it. I'll be here. That's Amy Amanti with a review of the Netflix documentary, Inside the Mind of a Cat. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. 
Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.